Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh, turns out we just found her and a whole bunch of other criminals having a party in Davos, Switzerland. We discuss that and more today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. America First Insurance Group. Insuring your life, protecting your liberty. It's so important for our audience to know that there's an insurance group out there that is working in such a way that any profits that they might donate are not going to go to liberal causes. America First Insurance Group. We have contact information in the show notes. So if you want to quote, check out our show notes. Welcome to this week's News in Review. A new bill was just introduced in the House last week, which was designed to stop white supremacy and hate crimes. But in reality, when you take a closer look, it absolutely destroys free speech. It's called the Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023. Now, we should know right up front, when Sheila Jackson Lee, the Democrat from Texas, is sponsoring a bill, we should be concerned. But anyway, this bill makes it a federal crime not just to commit a crime that is inspired by white supremacy, but actually to post something on social media that promotes white supremacist views if someone else then sees it and commits a crime. So here's what Jonathan Turley said, a professor at George Washington University. It is a criminal hate speech that would violate core principles of the First Amendment. It makes clear that the accused does not actually have to support or conspire in a crime in order to be convicted. I mean, this is crazy. The bill says that a published message would satisfy the requirements in this bill if it was posted on social media or any other way that has a likelihood that it would be viewed by people who are predisposed to engaging in any action in furtherance of white supremacy inspired hate crime, or people who are susceptible to being encouraged to engage in actions in furtherance of white supremacy inspired hate crime. So I could go off on hate crime. It drives me nuts why we have special categories for hate crime. If you commit murder, of course it was a hate crime. It doesn't really matter if it was because of someone's faith or because of someone's color of their skin. By definition, it was hate. But I digress. So let's just give a real world example. If I post something on Twitter where I say that I think the election is stolen and that we need to go to the Capitol and let our voices be heard, and then a bunch of Antifa renegades storm the Capitol... Now I'm the one liable for inciting and committing hate crimes? You've got to be kidding me. This should send a chill down your spine. What's next? I disagree with gender identity being taught in schools and someone attacks a school teacher. Now I'm the one who's incited violence? As far as I can tell, the vast majority of violence, at least as a people group, is the far left. Just saying. When I saw this come across the wire, an ex-Intel official who signed off on the Hunter Biden laptop letter admits significant portion of the emails really had to be real. I'm like, seriously? This is the same Intel official who was saying it's all Russian disinformation. So the public narrative, the narrative used to coerce Facebook and Twitter to absolutely shut down the story, was in fact a lie. It was a lie from the beginning. And I've heard the reasoning before. We don't want a story to have any kind of influence on the election. 
Well, is that really the job of law enforcement? The only thing that would truly stop this kind of thing from having an influence was actually if Hunter made the right choice and didn't gallivant around the world engaging in money laundering. I mean, come on, the facts are the facts. Rules for thee, not for me. Oh, and I saw this too. I couldn't believe this. A UN envoy actually thanked Hezbollah, you know, Hezbollah, the terror group. And because of that, I didn't even have to read the story. I just saw the title of it. And Israel officials were like, this is crazy. Can this be real? Folks, this is why we should pull out of the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, and all of these groups. These are groups made mostly up of countries who do not share our values. They call what is evil good and what is good evil. They are no friends of ours. We can engage in our own diplomacy with our allies. We don't need the corrupt organizations like the UN to do it for us. And speaking of corrupt organizations, Matt Gates introduces an Abolish the ATF Act after it ruled against stabilizing braces for pistols. Now, I do want to be clear. I've seen these stabilizing braces. The ATF is not wrong that a stabilizing brace does, in fact, make a pistol similar to a short-barreled rifle. But that's not the issue. The issue, the issue that is clear and front and center, is that government agencies are trying to enact regulations to accomplish what they have been unable to do through legislation. In this case, it's gun control. With a stroke of a pen, they aim to outlaw all kinds of firearms and accessories with supposed authority that was not granted to them by Congress. Gates is right to propose this, and along with the potential, or at least the proposed abolishment of the IRS, we could see significant programs in the federal government that would be removed. These scary and powerful agencies could possibly be abolished. I also saw that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy officially ends proxy voting. And in the exact quoted words of Ted Cruz, it's about damn time. This means that Congress actually has to show up to do their job. Now, proxy voting, when it was put in by Nancy Pelosi, was intended for a public emergency, so I do get that. But it's a temporary measure. But like everything else COVID, the draconian actions implemented have lasted far beyond the actual emergency itself. I also read that a Democrat lawmaker was really angering some parents. Now, that's actually not surprising because we've been seeing this over the last several years. But this particular bill was crazy. It would allow 12-year-olds to be vaccinated without parental consent. So free speech is to be abolished. Apparently, parental consent is on the table as well. It reminds me eerily of Michigan Prop 3 that passed in November that says a child can get trans surgery, gender-affirming care, or even an abortion without the consent or the knowledge of the parent. Biblically speaking, when the Bible talks about the end times and children turning against their parents, our government is paving the way for this to happen. I saw this international story. A Christian charity worker faces potential jail time after speaking out about leaving the LGBTQ lifestyle. Now, if you actually read this story, all this Christian did was speak during an interview explaining how his faith in Christ caused him to reject his previous homosexual lifestyle because he was convicted that it was wrong. This apparently got categorized in Malta as conversion therapy, which is outlawed. And this apparent reg is the one that's going to be used to prosecute him. You can't even now share how Christ delivered you from sin and it not be a crime. Folks, this is lunacy, and it is coming to a street corner near you, which is why we have to make our voices heard. In truth, but love. Now, speaking of lunacy, you heard the White House had to back off its plan to ban gas stoves. Well, it turns out lunacy spreads like wildfire. There are several Democrat-led cities that are already moving forward with gas stove bans that will affect millions. There are places now 
where any natural gas is completely banned for new construction homes. Gas hot water heater, eh. Gas stoves, eh. Gas dryers, eh. No can do. And Bill de Blasio is smiling and singing the praises of this progressive move. Anti-freedom, more control, let's all celebrate that. What did Padme in the Star Wars films say about democracy? She said, so this is how democracy dies, with thunderous applause. And lastly, I saw the story about a National Hockey League player scolded for skipping Pride event. It sort of launches this debate on forced activism. This is actually the second time I've seen something like this from the NHL. The first was a hockey player refusing to wear a jersey or a patch on his jersey, trumpeting the LGBTQ lifestyle. I said this before, I'll say it again. This lawless agenda is not about acceptance. It is about control. It is about making what used to be the exception the mainstream, making it the norm through whatever means possible. This is a perfect example. It's not enough to stay silent. You actually have to celebrate that which is contrary to your faith in order to not be targeted. Remember, silence is violence. This is so wrong, and we must stand up and fight for faith and freedom. For this week's news and review, that's a wrap. Okay, you may have heard that the World Economic Forum met this past week, but does that even mean anything to the vast majority of Americans? Well, it should. So what the heck is the World Economic Forum? To find out, you can go to www.weforum.org, but to save you time, I'll share what I found. So the World Economic Forum is the International Organization for Public and Private Cooperation. That sounds awfully vague. The forum engages in the foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. Okay, that raises an eyebrow. So what do we know about the WEF? Well, it was established in 1971 as a not-for-profit foundation as headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland. It's an independent, impartial, not tied to any special interests. Uh, we'll challenge that in just a second. The forum strives in all of its efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship and the global public interest while upholding the highest standards of governance. Moral and intellectual integrity is at the heart of everything it does. Our activities are shaped by the unique institutional culture founded on the stakeholder theory which asserts that an organization is accountable to all parts of society. Now, everything I've read to you so far is coming straight from their website. But let's take a time out here. Stakeholder theory? What in the world is that? Well, let's define it. And this is, again, according to their own website. Stakeholder theory is the purpose of a company is to engage all of its stakeholders in shared and sustained value creation. In creating such value, a company serves not only its shareholders, but all of its stakeholders, employees, customers, suppliers, local communities, and society at large. The best way to understand and harmonize the divergent interests of all stakeholders is through a shared commitment to policies and decisions that strengthen the long-term prosperity of a company. That's, again, from their website. In fact, I've even seen some places that they consider one of the stakeholders to be the government as well. So when you hear this, it sounds wonderful until you realize when you think about you're serving all of these stakeholders, they tell you who these stakeholders are, and you're committing to mutual policies and decisions, it sounds a whole lot more like socialism than capitalism. So who are the ones that decide what those shared policies are and what those shared decisions are? 
Would that include diversity, equity, and inclusion? Would it include wokeness? Would it include ESG and the like? Well, of course it does. Folks, the Kingdom Patriot Group is committed to the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. But it turns out the World Economic Forum is the intersection of communism, socialism, commerce, and environmentalism. For the WEF to say that they bow to no special interest is a mockery to the term. All you have to do is listen to Al Gore and John Kerry, and you realize that the WEF is nothing more than an environmental cult by people who have a lot of money masquerading as a world organization of people who just care about the environment. I could probably do 10 podcasts on this group, but we, of course, don't have that kind of time. So for starters, what do we know about environmentalists and liberals in general? In other words, what's the general rule that they live by? I'll refresh your memory. Rules for thee, not for me. Do you think I'm kidding? Okay, what do we know about the WEF and liberals in general? It's all about environmentalism. And that this radical cult, this thought process, hates fossil fuel, especially related to creating energy for travel. Well, how did all these elite folks get to the WEF in 2023? In fact, where was it? Exactly, it's in Davos, Switzerland. If you Google that, you'll find it's a tiny little town in the middle of the mountains with only 12,000 people. Kind of reminds me of Aspen, Colorado. There's no easy way to get there. So according to Fox News, there were a total of 1,040 flights taken to Davos, Switzerland. 53% of those flights were for trips that were less than 466 miles. 38% of those flights, more than one-third of those flights, were less than 300 miles. In fact, one person even took a flight that was 13 miles. That's just lazy crazy, folks. It shows you that more than half of these attendees are coming from somewhere nearby in Europe. These folks are making decisions, building agendas, that ultimately are a direct affront and direct challenge to the sovereignty of the United States and other countries. Okay, I'm sure you're asking, come on, Chris, aren't you exaggerating about terms like elites and environmentalism and the desire for power and money? Well, don't listen to me. Listen to John Kerry, who is the de facto U.S. envoy to this group. Listen to John Kerry in his own words. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. So how do we get there? Well, the lesson I've learned in the last years, and I learned it as secretary and I've learned it since, reinforced in spades, is money, 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 money. Okay, would you agree with me now that it's basically a fact? that this whole idea, this group around environmentalism of money, saving the planet, it's all about control, and it's all about these elites. So who actually attended this meeting? Well, from a country perspective, the United States represents about 27% of the attendees, so the rest of the world makes up the other 73%. And you talk about the wealth of this event, here's even some of the companies that are represented. Shell, Amazon, Citigroup, Moderna, BlackRock, Google, Stanford University, CNBC, Wall Street Journal. This is just to name a few. And there's a whole host of U.S. officials that are there as well. Marty Walsh, John Kerry, Janet Yellen, Chris Coons, Joe Manchin, Mickey, Sherelle, J.B. Pritzker, Mariah Salazar, Brian Kemp, Kirsten Sinema. It's just a few of our legislatures. And then you start adding people who are not in our government but are significant movers and shakers in the world, people like Bill Gates 
people like John Kerry, people who have their own agendas. I know, I know you are busy doing life and being a responsible citizen. But we need you. America needs you. You have to get involved. Go to kingdompatriot.us and sign up for our free email alerts. That way we can keep you informed so you can inform others. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join the fight for faith and freedom. So what does this mean in regards to faith? Well, Sean Griffin has often said that he believes that the end times, the persecution to come, the rise of the Antichrist will be ushered in through commerce, not government. And I might say it another way, the control of commerce will pave the way for these things to happen. In Revelation, the mark of the beast specifically references that no one can buy or sell without it. This is what it says in Revelation 13, 16 through 17. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. That is ultimate control, folks. We saw this with vaccine mandates. Germany completely locked down the unvaccinated. Liberal U.S. states like New York had pockets of places where if you weren't vaccinated, it didn't even matter if you were wearing a mask or not. You could not buy or sell in certain establishments, restaurants, or the like. Control. We're seeing this with ESG, environment, social, governance. Banks are shutting organizations off today if they don't have pro-LGBTQ stances or ESG programs, or a commitment to green and sustainable futures. Control. I'm not saying that the Antichrist is coming through the WEF. What I am saying is the spirit of the Antichrist is clearly here, and that is lawlessness and control running afoul, literally unhindered. So when you have a group like the WEF, which is not faith-based at all, but rather a bunch of cultish, humanistic, environmentalist radicals, you have demonic influence full bore. Some of the principles about thinking about your fellow man and stakeholders, these are great principles. In fact, Scripture teaches us to think of others more important than ourselves. But in organizations like this, there's a playbook. Number one, create the crisis. Trumpet the crisis. Raise the alarm bells. Reach hysterical, feverish pitch. Number two, tell you that the only solution is for them to gain control to save the planet, to save the children, to save the world. Number three, gain the money, the influence, and authority to mandate their proposed solutions. And number four, enforce those solutions and punish those who push back. In my book, I would say we're somewhere between three and four. Politically speaking, the WEF is a complete assault on democratic governments. To have a world group propose to mandate solutions that trump the legislative process, to me, that is a clear violation of everything our founding fathers believed in. But again, this is the difference between the radical left and the constitutional conservative. Conservatives believe the process matters, that how you go on this journey is often more important than the destination itself. But this is not so with the left, that ends justify all means. Therefore, if we must save the planet, then blowing up buildings or circumventing Congress, if that's the only way to do it, if we must do this through executive action, just like the EPA, if we have to do it with a pen and phone, by all means, do it. I cannot say this enough. 
as a conservative. The process matters. And in regards to commerce, please hear my heart. I absolutely believe we should be good stewards of our environment and what the Lord has given us, especially the planet. I would never support dumping toxic waste into drinking water or purposely destroying the environment. I also would never dam up a river in California and destroy farming to save a minnow, a.k.a. the river smelt. People, do you have any idea how much this religion of environmentalism is costing us or could cost us in the commerce world? Well, I did a back-of-the-napkin calculation, just an example, using the Congressional Budget Office's estimate of AOC's Green New Deal which basically said it was somewhere between $51 trillion and $92 trillion. But I took the average. $72 trillion over 10 years is what it would cost if it had been passed. Based on the population of the United States, that would mean that every man, woman, and child would have an additional $218,000 of debt. Except for my family, there's not one person, there's six of us. So in my family, we would have the equivalent of $1.3 million of debt to cover this cost. That is absurd. That is also why this is so dangerous. Because if you can create this burden of debt, now you have control. Because the Antichrist swoops in and says, hey, we'll wipe out all the debt if you'll just follow me. So finally, as we wrap this up, do you see the intersection? Do you see that environmentalism is a faith unto itself? And that it's manifested through many channels like the WEF? They gain money, control power, and then they flex their muscle through the political system with mandates, regulations, and laws, all under the guise of saving the children or saving the planet. These regulations are pushed down to companies that pass the cost on to the consumer. But ultimately, the consumer is the one who pays the price tag. Most people I know have never expressed to me their heartache over the river smelt in California or the extinction of the velociraptor. But they have expressed to me, how am I going to put food on the table? or fill the gas tank, or give the kids a better life, or take a vacation, or provide for education. The disconnect between these elites and reality is absolutely stunning. That's why through faith, politics, and commerce, we have made that connection for you. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid, and special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Kingdom Patriot.